Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not the same as personalized therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or to submit a poem for me to read on the podcast, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, to build our community, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Welcome home, Cojourners. I'm glad you're here for another episode, and I'm grateful we have a poem submission this week that I would love to share with you. And this piece is from Iga Flores, and the piece is entitled Time. A long time ago, I used to write about the dark abyss that laid between my breasts, how I could never feel anything anyone ever expressed. So I thought about the love people felt, wanted to feel it just once run through my fingertips. I was a baby pigeon who fell out of its nest. I still wrote about the loneliness and the darkness, the pain I couldn't feel, the heartbreak I didn't see, the emptiness I imagined, the fact that he loved her and not me. I could have been okay, but I wouldn't let myself breathe. I suffocated from my thoughts. I wouldn't let myself see. I shut myself down, I'd block myself out. I wasn't worthy of the world. My thoughts didn't belong in my head. I didn't belong on the earth or anywhere else. I liked the shadows, the dark abyss, the heartbreak and the way I felt dead. They mixed well with the label crazy. In reality, I was just yelling, save me. Ten years later, blood shed, scars left. This whole time, I was coming home to myself. Yes, Iga. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for your powerful poem and this journey. Sometimes we feel like we're not moving. We feel like we're not making progress. We can feel stuck and stagnant or not feel anything at all. And so I thank you for naming this journey, the journey home to ourselves. And so along the lines of Ika's poem, our topic on today is coping with emotional numbness, really coping and healing emotional numbness. So if you are in a place in your life where you don't feel you are really showing up to life, you don't feel like you're really alive or participating in your life because you are numb, if it is difficult for you to access your feelings, to feel your feelings, where everything feels neutral or blank, or even dead inside. If you feel distant or detached from other people, if you feel understated, if you feel flattened, 
both perhaps physically and emotionally. If you have difficulty expressing or feeling emotions, whether positive feelings or negative feelings, if it is difficult for you to enjoy, to have pleasure, to relax, to have fun, or even on the other end of the spectrum, when nothing frightens you, nothing angers you, nothing frustrates you, because not that you're at some ultimate state of peace, but that you really are disconnected, detached, not only from other people and the world around you, but from yourself. And when you get to that place, you really prefer the isolation and the disconnection because it can feel very strange and even off-putting to experience other people with their emotions when you don't have access to any for yourself. It can make connection and relationship, whether work or pleasure, very difficult. It can feel burdensome or like labor dealing with other people and their feelings when you are really disconnected from your own. So we want to think about how we begin to heal the emotional numbness, how we can address it so that we don't feel dead inside, so that we can be revived and alive and connected and aware of ourselves. And so one of the first things I would encourage you to do is to reflect on the cause of the emotional numbness. What caused you to disconnect or to check out? And our poet shared her experience from very early in life. And I wonder if you can think about whether your experience that led to the disconnection started very early in childhood, or if you feel that you were alive, you were connected, you were in touch with yourself, and then something happened later in life. It could be as recent as this past month or past year, could be a number of years ago. And so experiences of trauma, abuse, and neglect can cause us to disconnect from our own feelings, to become numb, sometimes as a way of managing anxiety because we want to ensure that we are not hurt again. And so a way to increase that likelihood is to feel nothing. Then uh, you can't be disappointed. Then you can't be frustrated. Then you can't be hurt because you felt nothing to begin with. And so is it the painful experiences of the past, anxiety about those types of events happening again? Is it related to being in a season of depression? And uh, some people have seasonal depression. 
Some people live with lifelong depression. Some people's depression was sparked by a particular event or experience. And it may also be connected to grief. Sometimes when we are grieving the loss of a loved one, we can make the conscious or unconscious decision to shut down. So you may have survivor's guilt of why are they no longer here and I'm still here, or other things may feel meaningless because this person you have in mind is no longer here for you to do life with. And so uh, you have shut down. So consider for yourself, is it abuse, heartache, abandonment, anxiety, depression, grief? What are the experiences that have led to you being shut down? There are a number of mental health conditions, mental illness as well, that can make feeling our feelings very challenging and difficult and hard to acknowledge and identify. And so I would say if it is related to your mental health, that it really will be important to work with a therapist on the specific strategies that may be helpful to you. For some people, that will be a combination of strategies from therapy as well as medication. And so to be open to exploring what are the mechanisms and pathways that can help you reconnect to yourself. If it is about painful experiences of the past, to really reflect on what are the conclusions I have drawn, we call them cognitive distortions, what are the what is the meaning I have given to those events about myself or about feelings or about relationships that have led me to conclude that the only way to be safe in life is to be shut down. And so as you think about the benefits of that, you also want to consider what are the costs? What does it cost me to remain in this state of being numb, of not feeling, of people perhaps even interpreting that to mean I don't care when I may care, but my feelings are very muted. And so uh, we think about the cause and the costs of being shut down as we consider our motivation, our interest, our hopes in becoming more emotionally alive. And that will cause us to push back on some of the myths, stigmas, and assumptions that we have about people who feel, right? So you may consider, oh, well, I didn't want to be sensitive because sensitive is weak and sensitive is vulnerable and sensitive is all over the place and sensitive gets uh, hurt easily. And so I don't want to be any of those things. And so I have gone to a whole nother place, which is detached, robotic, in some ways feeling dead inside, but somehow feeling safe. 
And I want to offer to you that there is a whole middle landscape between being perpetually overwhelmed by my feelings and not having access to my feelings at all. Yes. So we are looking to move away from numbness to being more connected and more alive. So one of the additional aspects, as well as looking at the source of the shutdown or the numbness, another important strategy is to your ability, to your capacity, trying to decrease your stress. That when we are under a lot of pressure and have a lot of responsibilities, we may be in that survival mode where we're saying, you know, I don't have time to feel. I'm just going on adrenaline. I'm just going on responsibility, obligations, action. I have too much on my plate to feel anything. And for some of you who are listening, that's not a situation that is just this week or this month, but it is the way you have been living your whole life. And so to utilize my boundaries and to think about my empowerment to be able to shift something so that I am not perpetually in a state of being stressed out, right? And notice I said to your capacity. I know many of you have many responsibilities and there are also ways that we can contribute to our stress. There are some ways that we can create additional stress for ourselves. There are some ways where we recognize we haven't been having boundaries or protecting our own peace and mental health. And so I invite you to consider if I can slow down what that would look like and what, if anything, am I running from? Some people have created a rapid pace for their lives to actually avoid feeling. So to ask yourself, what are the ways that I am participating in a perpetual state of stress? What are the ways, if any, that I am choosing that? And am I ready to make another choice? Am I ready to shift my approach to my life so that I could actually be alive? Am I ready and willing to shift the way I approach my life so I can actually feel alive. Along with decreasing our stress, we also wanna think about uh, taking care of our bodies. When we don't feel anything, we often end up neglecting ourselves. So you don't even notice that you're tired and you're just up all times of day or night, perpetually moving. Some people who are in that state are also disconnected from their own hunger and appetite. And say, so you may find yourself uh, skipping meals or only eating things that don't nourish you. You may even become dehydrated because you're checked out of yourself. And so I invite you to make a practice of tuning in to your body and providing care for your body 
even if you think you don't need it, right? If you notice other people are needing to rest, other people are eating meals, other people are saying they need to stretch or go for a walk and I've just been sitting stagnant uh, in front of this computer or running around doing a million things for everyone else. And if it does not at this point come naturally for me, let me try to schedule it or follow the models and examples of people who seem to have more balance in their day and in their life. So beginning to take care of yourself intentionally, it can really make a huge difference in being able to feel your feelings. And so what are you eating? What are you drinking? When are you resting? When are you moving your body so that you can actually begin to be more connected to yourself? It can also be helpful to think about what you value, right? Because when our values are solely about achievement and acquisition or status, then we may spend a lot of time uh, in our heads trying to figure out how to get the things you want instead of paying attention to what you need and what you feel. So it is fine and beautiful if you have goals for yourself, if there are things that you want to achieve or attain or reach in your life or this year or this month. And I would invite you to say, what are my values and my priorities about myself, about my health, about my wellness, about my living, about not just my purpose, uh, but my peace. Is that a value for me, right? Do I value my peace and my wholeness and my rest? And if I value it, how can I organize my life in such a way that it reflects that that is value to me, that I am valuable to me? And so that values assessment and then kind of recalibrating, redetermining, uh, shifting your life to reflect that value is going to be very important. It also can be helpful to reach out to others because many times when we are feeling numb, we can isolate because you're not feeling anything anyway or you feel awkward in the presence of others and in order to assist you in becoming more alive, a part of that is going to happen in connection, in communication, in exchange, in the presence of people who are alive, right? If you're just surrounded by workaholics, if you're just surrounded by people who are um, prioritizing profit over personhood, or obtaining wealth over obtaining wholeness and wellness, if that is the, the climate and community where you are surrounded, it will be hard for you to shift. And so I invite you to consider 
who are the people that you know. And if you don't know any, it's a good time to meet new people who seem to be more alive, who seem to be at home within themselves, who seem to be in tune with their feelings and able to communicate their feelings. And instead of running from them because you feel uncomfortable, to consider reaching out and spending time with people who feel more at home with themselves and not constantly striving, pushing, competing, strategizing, but those who you can have sacred pause in their presence, yes? And connect with yourself in the presence of others where it is acceptable and invited and welcomed for you to be a whole being, not just to be someone who is in service of others or someone who is upwardly mobile, but that there is someone home, right? Is anybody home? And so to help you to come home to yourself emotionally, those connections and relationships are going to be helpful. And then I would recommend starting to learn yourself because when you feel things, it may not be to the level that you see other people expressing their emotions, but it doesn't mean you feel nothing, right? So if you have friends who, when they are upset, they get tearful, but you don't cry easily. Maybe you can't even remember the last time you cried or it's so rare that you can remember when it was. So just because you're not crying doesn't mean you're not feeling, right? So I would say to shift from making other people the marker of what you feel and to start to be more self-aware of how does my sadness show up, right? That some people, when they're angry, yell, scream, curse, throw things, that might not be you, but it doesn't mean you're never angry, right? So you want to become aware of what does the anger look like for you? Do you hide it in humor? Do you get very quiet? Do you shift into busyness? Are you grinding your teeth? Are you clenching your fists? Do you feel a pit in your stomach? Do you suddenly feel like you need to eat comfort food, junk food, sugar, you need a drink? Like all of, all of these are signals that your body is communicating. Emotions are information. They tell us things. They tell us things about our likes and dislikes. They tell us when we're comfortable and uncomfortable. They let us know when something is good for us and when something is not good for us. And so what are perhaps the subtle ways or the indirect ways that you are communicating with yourself, but maybe you've been missing the message or assuming you feel nothing, right? So even joy, some people are afraid to feel joy or excitement because they're afraid that the event or experience will end or will be taken away. But there is, no matter how small it is, there's something in you that shifts 
when you are excited about something, even if on the outside, other people can't tell, right? But you want to be able to feel it within yourself, to be aware of it within yourself, right? There are some things that like, you could take it or leave. You don't care one way or the other, but there are some other things that shift you, right? That connect with you. And it may be so subtle because as soon as you start to feel it, you shut it down out of fear of, of loss or fear of what might happen. And so I invite you to study yourself, learn yourself, be tuned into yourself without comparing yourself to other people. So your heart and your feelings are important. Your wholeness and your comfort and your homecoming are important. And as our poet said, for some of us, this can be a long journey. It's really for all of us an ongoing journey. And I hope you will begin to see your progress along the way, no matter how long it feels like it's taking for you to give yourself grace and compassion as you come home to yourself. I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. <laughs>